Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers. Uh, Rod and I are going to talk a little Washington offense today. Uh, Rod's been doing a little, uh, a little, uh, I don't know, recon, I guess is the best word to say. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, for Texas fans. Uh, Rod, uh, just initial thoughts. We're going to go down their, their, their pass game, their run game, exactly what makes what you think makes them tick and how they go about exploiting defenses. But what's your big takes overall out of the gate after watching them and, and kind of going over the, the stats, et cetera? Uh, I mean, they're just uh, they're just a vertical, uh, vertical passing offense. I mean, they are probably the best deep passing offense in the power five, maybe one of the best in college football. Uh, they are I think they thrown 100 uh, passes of 20 yards or more down the field just to give you some, you know, a lot of perspective on it. I think Quinn's at 39. <laughs> on the season, missed a couple of games, but just shows you how much, how prolific they are throwing the football downfield. Um, and it's interesting, you know, because they they will run the ball. They've shown the ability to break tendency, uh, but against Texas, them running the football, I think, will only be more symbolic than anything. Uh, nobody's been able to run the football effectively against Texas. So what they did to the Dope Walker Award winner, holding him to what? 34 yards total uh, rushing on the ground, something like that. Uh, so I think Texas will, like they've done all season long, they will force Washington to be one-dimensional. When Washington becomes one-dimensional and when they decide to throw the football, which, by the way, they want to do and are comfortable doing, can Texas put pressure on Michael Penix before he's able to cash in on some of those deep balls downfield? That's going to be the most intriguing thing. And the secondary is growing and evolving. Uh, we'll talk about that here in this breakdown. The secondary is getting better, but there's a, there, there's a gift and a curse um, that kind of comes with that evolution and development that I'll get into, too. So it's a very intriguing matchup. I don't think they'll be able to stop Texas either. That's something we'll talk about later. I think we might end up with an old-fashioned shootout. Oh, boy. Uh, here we go. They are averaging, talking about shootouts, they're, they're number 11 in the country in scoring uh, yep. offense uh, over the course of the year at 37.7. Points per game. Texas, by comparison, Rod, is 16 in the country at 36.2. Uh, both teams, to your point, it sounds like it might just be one of that. Let, all right, let's talk a little bit more about that passing game. Uh, you mentioned the the 100-plus 20-yard or more passes on the year. That's just phenomenal. They are obviously keyed by Michael Penix, uh, their quarterback, who leads the nation in, in the passing with 4,200 yards on the season. That's 400 more, by the way, uh, than Jalen Daniels, the quarterback at uh, uh, LSU that just won the Heisman. You know, he, he's a lefty. He's a little unorthodox in some ways, right? Yes, but is. the thing that he has as much as anything is moxie and experience. Uh, what, what do you think of him and, and what are his real assets versus maybe his weaknesses? Uh, he's, got, he's got the clutch gene. I'll say that about him. Uh, since he's been there, I believe he's got uh, six uh, fourth quarter uh, comebacks uh, in his career. Uh, we've seen the game winning drives when it comes down to the wires. A guy that can win in clutch time. Uh, he is. He, I think he's a little. I think he's a little overconfident in his arm. He's, he's got an amazing arm. I mean, he can touch every blade of grass. But I think he's overconfident sometimes. And I think it has to do with the fact that he can make all the throws. But sometimes his footwork is a little sloppy. He'll throw off his back foot. Uh, he'll throw, you know, off platform, 
making some dangerous deep out cuts. I think he also trusts his receivers a lot. I mean, he's got nine interceptions on the season. You go watch film, you'll see that he's got about five to six dropped interceptions on the season too, because I think he tries to thread the needle in really small windows. If I had his arm, I'd do the same thing. And he really trusts his wide receivers to be able to break up footballs if it's a 50-50 ball and the ball placement is a little bit off. He trusts his wide receivers, which I think he has three NFL caliber wide receivers to be able to break up the play. So there will be plays to be made on the football because Texas will have to be in some man-to-man situations and they will, uh, at least Michael Penix will, he will take some chances on 50-50 balls because he trusts his guys. He believes one-on-one coverage basically means his guys are open. And honestly, most of the time, that is the case. (laughs) So is there any kind of, do you think the deep ball is what he specializes in? Is that what he's really good at? Like, like they're, no, he can't, he's not, the greatest quarterback of all time. He may be a great quarterback, don't get me wrong, but like, is there, is the deep ball kind of where you look at him as a DB and say, okay, that dude's special in that regard, or he's my number one all out or seeing things. What is he special at? Uh, His X-Man ability, right? The thing that he does uh, as well, if not better than everybody else, I believe is the deep ball. I think that's his special like X-Man quality. He's completing 44% of them. That's a really high rate of completing 44% of your deep balls down the field. And for Texas, Texas has done a really good job this year of defending the deep ball actually overall. I think teams are completing 36% of their deep balls. But when you take away the backup quarterbacks they played, which I did my sample size, that number jumps to about 42% uh, completion rate on deep balls. And here's the concern. Texas has been susceptible and vulnerable to a lot of different passing concepts, as we know, throughout the season. Targets to bunch. I've talked about that, right? Closely clustered groups of receivers. Uh, inside breaking routes. Lohan fans know that all too well, the inside breaking routes. And even if you look at it, some of the, uh, the, the empty formations have also hurt them a little bit, too. When Texas started to play more aggressive bump and run coverage on the outside, which they did in the Texas Tech game and the Oklahoma State game, we saw the Texas pass defense pretty much have their best performances ever taking away those concepts. No concern about inside breaking routes in the tech game or the Oklahoma state game targets to bunch was not a big issue as well in the tech game or the Oklahoma state game. That's because Texas played more bump and run coverage on the field side and the boundary side. So Longhorn fans, you got your wish more aggressive play from the DBs on the outside, but and here's the big butt the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B, Megan the Stallion size, but Mike Gundy's adjustment was simple. You're going to play bump and run, then we're going downtown. Texas has the same adjustment when teams play bump and run on A.D. Mitchell and on Xavier Worthy. Our receivers are better, and don't disrespect them by playing press man, and Texas usually takes shots over the top, and they usually hit on them because their receivers are really good. Same thing with Washington, and they're going to do that. Oklahoma State did it against Texas. On passes 20 yards or more down the field, deep balls, double moves. They were three of seven. Completing, that's three of seven. That's That's a pretty high number. Right, you're around 42 plus percent. Of it's, it's it's definitely healthy. Yeah, I, right? I get what you're saying. Yeah, and don't forget, don't forget, Bobby. There was a PI that wasn't called early on, and Mike Gundy lost his mind on. All right, <laughs> there was a deep a deep post route that Texas actually they they had bad coverage on. They were trailing, and the quarterback just missed that guy running wide open. And then there was a PI on a deep ball that was called that's not counted in that three of seven. So actually, they were a little bit more successful. On running deep balls. Why? Because Texas playing press coverage. This is what PK feared. And all the fans like press, play more press, play more press. Like, well, if you play more press, 
you're going to make this, you're going to expose yourself potentially on deep routes down the field. PK always thought, listen, I'll defend the deep routes and we'll give up the underneath stuff. You can't run the ball. So all you got is your underneath throws. We'll give you that because if you can march down the field without making a mistake or without blocking Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat on 12 straight plays, well, God bless you. You deserve to get, you know, points on the board. But that's really hard to do as Texas has proven. That's why they're great on third down. They're one of the top five best third down defenses in the country, top five best red zone defense in the country. So that's the concern, guys. Texas can take away targets to bunch. They can take away the inside breaking routes of Washington, take away easy completions and come up and play press. But if they do, Washington will take shots and they are better than Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State has success taking shots downfield. So you got to be very judicious in choosing when you want to press, when you don't. That's going to be a big part of this game for Texas. Either. It sounds, just for me, Rod, it sounds like it's going to be a, a match of minds between Kalen DeBoer, the offensive-oriented head coach at Washington, versus Pete Kwiatkowski. He's yes, going to sir. have to mix and match and do all this other stuff. All right, we hear a lot about Washington's wide receivers. Okay, yeah. I haven't watched Washington. I've watched two or three games. Rome Adunze apparently is a first-round pick, right? Yeah. Uh, they got a couple other guys that are that are over there that are that are good players as well. What do they present that you think is different? Like, are, are they a speed guy like Xavier Worthy, or are they Adonai Mitchell types? Are they Jordan Whittington types? What do they have a, a nice mix? Like, frankly, like Texas does. That, yeah. That's kind of what I I'm hearing from people. Yeah, it's it's the it's the latter. They have a nice mix. Uh, Romo Dunze is the he's the real deal, man. That guy's elite. I'll give you a stat about him. Uh, he's six foot three, two fifteen, so he's got some size on him. But he's also got some speed. Uh, Jerry even talked about that going back to his track times at high school. This guy that was clocked, I think, what a ten a high ten six, so he can run. He ranks how about this? Oh, in contested catches, <laughs> um, he is ninety six percentile for contested catches. He's hauling in more than seventy percent of his contested catches. So 50-50 balls literally analytically become 70-30 with him. And, and and his quarterback knows it, so his quarterback will throw it up there for him. So if he's in man-to-man coverage, he's got no problem just not necessarily having an accurate throw, just giving his guy a chance. And he'll do that a lot with Romo Dunsey. All three of these guys, uh, Jalen McMillan, Polk, they've all had a 1,000-yard receiving seasons at one point in their career. They've all wow. three of them. So that right, I mean, think about how hard that is. Hey, I don't think has, has Xavier Worthy hit a thousand yards yet? Uh, no, I think he's like thirty-seven. I, I gotta check that. I'll check yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, think about that guy. Think how productive that is. All three of them at one point in these two last two years have at least gotten thousand yards at least once. I think Adunze has done it twice. So they are highly productive wide receivers. And what I like about them is. They, these guys are are elite route runners. I mean, they they're not just you know explosive freaks. These guys know how to run routes and create separation, stack DBs. So it'll be a huge test, I think, for the Texas DBs. Now, this is what I'll say about both Texas DBs and Washington DBs because both have been highly criticized. Because I think Texas pass defense ninety six. Washington 122nd. That's why we're anticipating a shootout. Um, but Coach Akin always told me, you know, it, it, he always said, look at pass efficiency defense. It's a better metric. It's more more combined cumulative stat of, of all the different uh, measurements of a, of a secondary and a defense overall and how they defend the pass, not just passing yards. And if you go look at uh, pass efficiency defense, Washington and Texas are 30th and 33rd. 
So they're not as bad overall, just pass defense. And I think that's more about the scheme. We talked about how PK wants to make you one-dimensional and will give up some of those underneath routes because he wants to take away those deep shots downfield. Uh, but I'll say both of these DBs, and I said this about myself too, they will never be shocked about the opposing team's wide receivers because in practice, they see the best, right? In practice, I used to see Roy Williams, B.J. Johnson, and Sloan Thomas. I was never shocked by the skill set of a wide receiver. Now, does that mean that they weren't going to be able to make some plays and, you know, you know, and obviously find a way to exploit my skill set at times? I'm not saying that it happened. You can watch LHN every now and then. They get Rodney, right? But I was, I was, I was never, uh, you know, I was never to the point where I was wowed or I felt overwhelmed in a game because I had a great sample size and practice of NFL talent I was going up against. I think that will be the case for both of these secondaries. All right. I don't necessarily think both these secondaries will be shocked and awed by what they see, even though this will be the best matchup of wide receivers, potentially in any game in the country all season long. Right. At least one of them. I don't think either secondary will be shocked. But what they Washington wide receiver Washington's wide receivers are among the best group in the country. And those Washington DBs have seen them in practice all season long. Same thing with the Texas DBs. So they may be, you know, they may give up some plays but it won't be a thing like they're intimidated by it. It's it, it's interesting that you put Texas in that category too with a Washington or maybe an Ohio State, et cetera. That's, that's I mean, Steve Sarkeesian's done a great job in that regard. Yeah. Because it was not that way when he first arrived. All right, I, I'm looking at this and then the run game is- Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. The run game is a little bit different. It just mm-hmm. feels highly effective yeah. and functional. Is that a good way to put it? I mean, it's not... The it's not, the it's not their bread and butter. Nope. But it's functional. And I, I watched the end of the Oregon game, for example. They ran out the clock. They didn't throw the ball. Um, and Oregon was supposed to have the quote unquote best defensive talent in the Pac-12. Well, it's kind of like what Texas did against Alabama at the end of the game. That's what that's how they treated Oregon in that game. So they have just like the Longhorns, they have an effective run game. Who who is what what do you see in the numbers there and what are you thinking for this game? Yeah, Dylan Johnson is their guy, right? He's over a thousand yards, eleven hundred plus yards on the season. He's averaging five and a half yards per carry. But I think and, and we we talked about this on football theory while the running game for Texas is still so effective, right? Jumping Brooks goes down, everybody assumes, man, it's gonna be a regression in the running game, and then you get a hundred yard game from CJ Bax and a freshman, another hundred yard game the next game from Jaden Blue, and you think to yourself, well, actually, the running game has not regressed, but we know Jonathan Brooks. He's one of the best running backs in the country. Why? 
Well, it's those wide receivers we just talked about and those weapons in the passing game. Right? When you got Quinn being highly efficient in the passing game and you got to defend X-Men, you got to defend A.D. Mitchell, you got to defend J.T. Sanders, you got to do it with numbers. You can't do it with personnel. Maybe Michigan can. Maybe, you know, like there are like three or four schools in the country that can defend Texas with personnel. We thought Bama could do it, and then Bama had a hard time with it. You got to defend Texas with numbers in the passing game. You got to drop eight. Right, you gotta drop seven. That's why that's why Quinn's worst downs are third and long. Right. When did he throw his pick versus Oklahoma State? Third and long. Go third and long, predictable pass situations. You can drop and win the numbers advantage against Texas. But other downs, you can't just drop everybody because then the running game is so effective. So that's why I think for Washington, their running game is so effective. I don't think Dylan Johnson is you know some elite back, and I don't necessarily think their running game is a dominant running game. Now they're averaging, I think, four and a half yards per carry. So it's 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 a meaningful running game, right? It's productive, uh, but I think it's more about the scheme. It's more about the defense adjusting to their personnel, more so than about the running game being being just necessarily that effective. It's a it's a it's a counter for them. It's an adjustment for them. Uh, their passing game is their bread and butter. There's no doubt. One of the things I saw against Oregon in particular, they did these quick tosses to the side, like they'll line up in a shotgun formation. And most teams will just run a draw, run a, some kind of uh, mm-hmm. power play out of that. Yeah. They would do a quick pitch to the play side, if that makes sense. If a running back is lined up to the left of the quarterback in the shotgun, yep. they would actually have him, as soon as the, the ball is snapped, he'd be mm-hmm. running quick left and do a pitch out to him. So he's getting to the short or that side of the field even quicker. Yeah. It, it, we don't see that that much in college football, uh, but we see it a lot. Uh, or we, but we see it see it some. They seem to be that seems to be one of their plays that they try to catch people. And is it a number situation that, that they're and trying is, to is, catch it, You said the is, the is it back to the weak side? Uh, typically to the weak side, and then pitch yeah. to the weak side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may, it's a numbers game. Yeah, it's yeah. just they because you once again getting back to you got to respect their personnel. And if they go overload, right, they go three by one or three by one, what they call a nub. A nub is a tight end, an inline tight end opposite of a, a trip set. So a three by one with a nub. Uh, you'll see some teams kind of pitch out to that nub side sometimes. And it's like, well, we got the numbers advantage. They decided that they're going to overload the defense to respect our personnel. And then we'll just throw it out to the weak side. So I think they in Texas probably could do that too. I don't think every team could do it because I don't know if every team – has the personnel that demands that kind of respect and has that kind of gravity. JT Sanders has gravity. X Man's got gravity. AD Mitchell's got gravity. Gravity means, hey man, they pull defenders to them. <laughs> and yep. Washington's got a lot of guys. They got three guys with a lot of gravity. They pull defenders to them, and that's why you can do that. So I, I like that concept. That's a that's a nice concept. We can see that. One other thing I I, I heard about them, and you, I think you may have the stat. They a lot like Texas motion the you know what out of you they like do. they pre-snap motion line up different ways texas has all these receivers and tight ends and uh, that have just a bunch of uh, experience and so sark and this kalen DeBoer guy they can kind of get get in your head a little bit if you're a defender that that's part of their game plan do you think the extra month off from the big 12 championship game to the sugar bowl will kind of mitigate that problem for defenses on both sides. Like that's one of the things I've seen is that you have extra time to prepare for that. Yep. 
you know, you could theoretically get get in their head a little bit about that, right? Uh, yeah. I feel like Oklahoma, for example, did that to Texas a little bit at times. Uh, Oklahoma was ready for Texas uh, in their their uh, adjustments and, and motions and stuff. Do you, you think that's, that's possible? That's a great point. And I wonder, you know, just because because you're right about Washington being very similar conceptually. Kevin DeBoer loves, you know, bunch formations. Sark loves bunch formations. He loves, you know, uh, targets to motion, which is when you target a receiver that was in motion at the time of the snap or prior to the snap. Uh, he loves motion, pre-snap motions and shifts. He'll put a receiver in the backfield. Sark loves to like throw a receiver in the backfield every now and then. Um, you'll see him use a lot of uh, empty formation that uh, Washington does, and Sark has been using more empty formation. We'll get into that later, but I'm with you. I think conceptually, and I've said before, I think Sark is a little bit jealous of the Washington offense because it is, it is like his offense in a lot of different ways, except they have the deep ball element that Sark has always wanted. Remember, Sark came to Texas throwing the deep ball and stubbornly telling members of the media and all the U fans, oh, we're going to throw the deep ball. Even if we're not good at it, we will throw it. We're going to keep throwing it, and we will we will make sure that it is a a, a basically a big part, a big element of our offense. Remember, he, in the offseason, he was basically telling us, even though they were bad at it, he's going to keep doing it now. He has evolved and grown as a coach because there are no more frivolous deep shots downfield. They're more calculated now. They don't just he'll just throw them on first down for no reason. They're usually uh, double moves, flea flickers, predetermined reads. He's become very, very judicious about his deep shots. So he's changed his tune. It just shows you he's grown as a coach. But Washington, they have no shame and no fear and they no indecision. They chunk the deep ball and they do it shamelessly all the time. And I think Sark wants his offense ultimately to be kind of like that. And he said that he just, for some reason, no matter how great the weapons are in Texas, no matter how golden the, the arm of Quinn, they just haven't really figured out how to connect on those deep balls like that. So he's curtailed them. Um, but I think it, very similar offenses in a lot of ways, except for the deep ball now. That's really the big difference is Sark has taken away the deep ball out of his offense and Washington has pretty much increased the volume of deep balls. All right. Uh, speaking with Rod Babers, Rod. Uh, very interesting points here uh, for you and me. Uh, I think you've successfully succeeded in scaring some Longhorn fans about what exactly this Washington <laughs> offense can do. I mean, it's it's fair. They're the number 11 team in the country in scoring. Yeah. And they're number one in passing. They're averaging 343 yards a game passing. They're a yep. good offense. There's a reason, just like there's a reason Texas is playing in the college football playoff. This exactly. isn't, you know, it's not, you know, week on week. It's strong on strong. Um, Agreed. what do you think Texas just top line needs to be able to do against oh. them to, to kind of combat all this? You, you said, take away the run, making them one dimensional. Is it more of that or is it something else? Uh, no, I think Texas will be able to take away the run and nobody's been able to run on Texas. And I got so much respect now for Tosh Brooks and what he did <laughs> getting those yeah. 95 yards versus Texas. Cause nobody's been able to run in a traditional run game versus Texas. Um, but Getting back to it, I, I do think the only there have been two offenses that Texas has faced that statistically, uh, in terms of the passing game, that are close to Washington or anywhere in the same realm as Washington. Washington, I believe, is the number one passing offense in the country. OU was sixth. They're the sixth best passing offense in the country. That's Texas' only loss, and they were a pass first team with a quarterback that can move around, and Pennies can move around. Uh, now, he does, they don't like him to run because he's had two ACL surgeries and he's had multiple injuries early on in his career, but he can move. He will scramble and he will move around. I don't think they're going to do it, but they could. 
they could just keep that in mind. That's the only thing Oklahoma was able to do versus them. Um, and TCU is seventh in the country, I think, in passing offense. So you go look at those two offenses and what and what they were able to do versus Texas, and they were really successful. And a lot of those concepts are brought up: uh, targets to bunch formation, Oklahoma eighty uh, percent completion percentage, TCU eighty eight percent completion percentage, um, uh, third down conversion rate in targets to bunch for both of those teams. You're talking about sixty six percent for Oklahoma. 100% for TCU when they were targeting bunch formations, third down conversions, inside breaking routes for Oklahoma. Um, they were, if you combine TCU and Oklahoma, basically the closest two schools statistically in passing numbers, uh, they were 60% completion percentage, eight over eight yards per attempt. Um, so some of the in, in TCU empty formation, they ran a lot of them. Uh, they were six of nine. Uh, completing a football in empty formation, but three of five converting third downs out of empty formation. Washington has all these <laughs> these same numbers and they watch the same film I have. So the, if you look at it, Texas has struggled, but the one thing Texas did really good to take away those issues and those concepts versus Texas Tech and versus Oklahoma State was play press man. So they're going to have to play press man. And, and I watched Oregon State and Arizona State and Washington State, they're playing press man. They don't have the athletes Texas does. So they're if they're confident enough in their technique and fundamentals to play some press man against these wide receivers, you know the defensive coordinator is saying, you got to do it. You have to do it to disrupt timing. Otherwise, you're going to give away too many easy completions to Michael Penix and these receivers. So Texas will, I think, play press, and how they do it is going to be important in a situation when they do it. you got to get pressure in the interior. Not just pressure, but pressure in the interior because he, he will throw off his back foot. And he will abandon um, his spot in the pocket. And Tom's abandoning the pocket, but only when there's interior pressure up the gut. Because when there is pressure coming off the edge, he's brilliant at just stepping up in the pocket. Let me give you a number about Penix real quick. That's shocking. So can you turn? You can. Can you translate and convert pressures into sacks? That's going to be big in this game. Texas third in the country in pressures, guys. Third in the country in pressures. Uh, now only converted. Uh, uh, them into 32 sacks. Now, that's pretty good. That's 32nd. But Michael Penix, one of his X-Man abilities is escaping pressure. Uh, look at how about this? If you look at um, pressure converted into sacks, only 9.4% of the pressures on Michael Penix are converted into sacks. For Quinn Ewers, is 33%. But that's not crazy, by the way. Uh, Jalen Milrose at 34%. JJ McCarthy's at 23%. He's just a freak. Everybody, I mean, he's a freak when it comes to avoiding pressure, but it's mostly the pressure. And by the way, they're top five in sacks allowed, so they don't give up a lot of sacks either. But we know sacks is a quarterback stat a lot of the time, and he's good at avoiding it, I think, because that pressure coming off the edge. I've seen him most erratic and late on throws when the pressure's up the middle. Texas can do that organically with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, but I think Washington will be ready for that. They're a real coach team. They want to do it with second-level pressures, linebackers coming from the second level up the interior gaps to help reinforce that pressure and get him off his spot. I think that's one of the consistent themes I've seen when Washington's offense is off. And also pre-snap show disguise. That would be my third thing. You have to make him process something differently post-snap than he saw pre-snap. Because if he sees the same thing pre-snap he saw post-snap, you are dead in the water. All right. But when he holds on to the ball, he pats the ball because he's looking, he's processing and he's fading back. All right. Onto that back foot. That's that means you win, but you can only do that when you're showing him a different pre-snap look than post-snap. So that would be my kind of keys to the game. I think Texas will stop the run. They stop the run against everybody. Nobody watches them come in and run the ball against Texas. I don't see that happening. But throwing the ball, different discussion.
Got it. Uh, Rod, you are just a wealth of information. I think uh, fans everywhere appreciate you uh, for uh, following the Longhorns as well as you do. Uh, make sure you check out Rod on uh, his radio show, Morning Show with Aaron Hogan. Uh, Rod, myself, and Aaron will be back later tonight with the Longhorn live stream, 7 o'clock. Rod, you have a good Sunday. Uh, and too, people don't worry that much about the Washington <laughs> offense. Rod may have scared you and me a little bit. They've got some big guys, but Texas – has the Outland Award winner, by the way, and Tavondre yeah, right. Sweat, a first-team hey. All-American, and uh, 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 Byron Murphy, as well as Jalen Ford, Jaday Barron. Uh, they've got their they've got their fair guys on fair share of guys hey. on defense too. True right, test hey. for DBU. True test for DBU in this game, baby. I'm I'm excited about. Oh. <laughs> All, right. All right, that's Rod Babers for Rod. I'm Bobby Burton. Hook them. Hook them. <laughs>